Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on? Don't What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are joined by none other than the Matthew Spawnauer, who we saw just a couple weeks back at the Super Bowl pre-festivities, mm-hmm. we should say. How have you been since then, man? I've been wonderful. I've been wonderful. That's great. Um, I almost didn't make my flight home. Uh, we were sitting on the plane. Hello. I had a connecting in O'Hare. And they're like, yeah, the, the computer on the plane isn't working. We're going to reboot it. So no like, way. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we're taking this plane. We had to get off. They had to get a different plane. It took a couple hours. But outside of that, things have been good. It was fun seeing y'all in, uh, in Vegas. Yeah, that was really fun. We got to hang out with all the Stay Hot guys. Got to meet both you and Bladen in person for the first time. Theo, of course, we've known for a while, the freak. But, dude, that makes me think of when I was coming back from Buffalo having already had my heart broken, the captain comes over the loudspeakers. We've been sitting on the tarmac for like 45 minutes, an hour, and he's like, hey, so we've got a lithium battery on fire. We've contacted, uh, we call them firefighters. And I was like, what does he mean we call them firefighters? Sure enough, it was just the fire department. And uh, we ended up taking off all right. So, you know, they can fix those things pretty quickly. It's incredible what they can do. It's kind of a strange coincidence. I had a tumultuous return to Phoenix, too, man. I've never had no. turbulence quite like I did on the way back, man. That thing was rocking, dude. Like, mm. I was scared for a little bit, but I got back safe. I thought Matthew was covering up for the bender that he was on in Vegas. Ah, uh, that's what I that, think. Yeah. He yeah. said, Con- I almost missed my connecting flight. Come on. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no type of that, man. It was all, it was all the pilot's fault. Mm-hmm. Me, I was, was locked in. I was ready to go. I left the house at, at 9 a.m. Four hours early to the airport, of course. I was. I'm good. I've never. I've never even come close to missing a flight. I'm electric with that stuff. I missed my first flight this year. It was actually on another trip to Buffalo. Just forgot to set an alarm early morning, but I worked it out. I made it work. That's what we do, man. All right, we're gonna talk some basketball, a little bit of football today, but mostly NBA because, of course, tis the season, and it feels like. 
maybe the hottest story in the sport as of late has been uh, the continued bad vibes and struggles of the Milwaukee Bucks. They're three and seven since Doc Rivers took over. And Logan has been consistently leading the anti-Doc Rivers train. And Matthew, last time that you came on our show, we were actually talking very early in the year, being like, eh, not loving what we're seeing from the Bucks. How concerned are you now at this point in the season? And who would you blame most for what we've seen from them as of late? The who I would blame most question is a tough one because the Doc losing yeah. streak for a team that's had a pretty good regular season record is like pretty concerning and, and, and pretty yeah. fair to point to. But honestly, man, I think when I look at the Bucks season and I say, what exactly didn't work out? There's a lot of different things that you could maybe point to, but their big move was getting Dame. And we knew that was going to hurt their perimeter defense, but Dame was so good last year on offense that, you know, you figured it'd be worth it. And it really hasn't been. It really hasn't yeah. been good enough, right? Uh, and Dame's particularly cold right now. He's been up and down. So maybe he comes out of the all-star break and turns it back on. It's not that long ago that we saw, you know, the season he had last year was probably one of his best, if not his best straight up mm -hmm. in terms of how he was playing. So if he turned it on and it was different in the playoffs, it wouldn't stun me. But as it stands right now, like he needs to be a top 10, maybe even like top five offensive player in the NBA. That was the standard. That's He looked close to that, if not that, last year. So I kind of think that was their big swing and it missed. And if I'm going to blame, you know, why I'm a little bit lower on them, it's probably going to be that. There's other things like Doc Rivers I'm not super high on, and I think they're super mm -hmm. old, and that's concerning come playoff time. But the Dame stuff sticks out to me. Uh, for sure. I think you have to point to the Dame stuff as being one of the biggest reasons why uh, the Bucks have struggled, and a part of that is what they gave up, the opportunity cost in the Dame trade, right? Drew Holiday was a key member mm -hmm. of them going out, and – uh, a part of this is something that I think Doc Rivers has meant, uh, mentioned in the press. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give some of these quotes, dude. He's on a generational run, gentlemen. He I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy what Doc is doing in the pressers these days. Uh, <laughs> one, you lose Drew Holiday. And one thing that Doc has mentioned in the presser is that, you know, there's been a lack of identity and a lack of culture here in Milwaukee, right? Uh, uh, clearly established during their championship run over the past few years is this gritty, defensive-minded team. So not only do you lose the personnel you lose a heart and soul a member of your team that really was responsible for the energy and for what actually happened on the court so I think that is a a major component of it and Dame has not been great specifically to the last 10 games 21 3 and 6 on 42 32 splits I mean just ugly uh, Chris Middleton has only played in four of their last 10 games you know he's put mm -hmm. up an efficient 14 points per game but he's just not out there but I'll go ahead and I'll take the low-hanging fruit, and I'll put some of this on Doc, man. I think Doc does deserve some of the blame. Um, I think first and foremost, there's just bad leadership, and like J.J. Reddick said, him not owning up to his responsibilities as the head coach. Uh, you're the leader of this team now. You just have to accept it, Doc. I mean, it's a reality of the situation. Some of these quotes are hilarious, though, man. Uh, initially, he told the Bucks ownership, I don't understand why you're doing this. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us, Doc. Um, taking a job when you're about to go on the toughest road trip of the season is not the smartest decision. I even told them that. Can we wait till the All-Star break? It would have been a lot nicer. Oh, man, Doc. Do you? Do I need to get you some tissues, man? I got to wipe his, his eyes, man. Uh, it's been three weeks. It's been harder than I thought. 
Mm. <laughs> my heart just breaks for Doc Rivers, man. And then the, the, the coup de gras here, man, the cherry on top of the cake. Uh, we had some guys in here and some guys in Cabo after the Grizzlies game. And I do think the Bucks deserve some uh, blame, like the players, for their effort in that game too. But the one thing that I'll get on Doc for in that game is that final possession. And, and something with the Bucks' offensive process that has just frustrated me. I know you have these two stars. And Giannis is going to carry you through. And like you said, Matt, I expect Dame to reach some level where he is this top 15 to top 10 player that is just going to carry your offense, right? That shouldn't be Doc's responsibility. It should be getting them ready schematically, defensively. Uh, offensively, your team should just go because you have Giannis and Dame, right? Mm -hmm. And so I won't fully put that on him. But that final play of the game, what the hell is Brooke Lopez doing, guys, against Memphis? Like, one, the game shouldn't have even got down to that. But the fact that Brooke Lopez is bringing a high ball screen to Damian Lillard at the, on the last possession of that game when they need a bucket at half court. Brooke, clear it out. It's Damian Lillard, Brooke. He doesn't need you, man. Like, I, there was just no design play. There was no process. There was no idea of what they were doing going into that final possession. And I'll put some of that on Doc, too. What happens is, because Brooke is putting that pressure up at the top of the key, the second defender can just go ahead and blitz Dame because you got two guys at half court. Instead of if Brooke had just gone down to the paint if he was going to get a rebound. So... I think it's a combination of things. I think it's Dame not playing up to expectations. I think it's Doc clearly not ready to lead this team. Uh, I also think that the construction of this roster is a little great. I don't, or is a little, uh, it's not great. I think that uh, their bench and their depth lacks a little bit, but uh, I'm going to put the lion's share of the blame on Doc Rivers not leading this team and Damian Lillard not playing up to expectation. I think those are clearly the two guys you have to identify when we're talking about this recent skid, because if we're looking at the story of these Bucks struggles as a whole, coaching is definitely a part of it. Dame underperforming offensively over the whole year is a part of it, but really it's been their inability to defend at the level that we expect from them, specifically because of their issues on the perimeter. Dame bears a large chunk of the responsibility there. Not only is he not nearly as physically equipped to defend as a Drew Holiday. He just hasn't been delivering in the effort categories. He's been a huge, huge negative defensively, but it's really been the offense that sputtered as of late. They're actually defending better under Doc, but they're 22nd in offensive rating. And I don't think Doc is good. I don't think Doc really ever does anything to help you. And that's the thing. I feel like I've had to be like a Doc Rivers defender in contrast to Logan because you should hear the things that he's saying. Matt, oh, it's I ridiculous. Have. Oh, I've yeah, he's in. like, I've... <laughs> he's like, I think the Pacers are better than the Bucks. I don't think you've literally <laughs> said that, but you're like, the Bucks are my five or six team out east just because they have Doc. And I'm like, Doc cannot single-handedly sabotage you. And that is still true, but he doesn't help you. The offense feels very stagnant right now. I agree. There is some weird spacing stuff. That last possession, I mean, Brooke Lopez is screening before Dame is at half court, right? One of the great luxuries of playing with Damian Lillard is that you can set a screen 35 feet out and the defense has to respect that he can pull up from 33. And so he can get these huge runways downhill or you have these great opportunities for pick and pop, but it's different when you're screening before half court, not to mention Giannis is just sort of casually running in that same area. So you really have three defenders. There's been some stuff in terms of spacing concepts, play design, overall offensive approach that I haven't liked. I still will never understand why they don't run more Dame Giannis mm -hmm. pick and roll. 
every Dame Giannis two-man action is so effective. If it's a handoff, Giannis coming downhill as a roller. What he can do playmaking as a short roller. Just creating cleaner driving lanes for Dame. Like, you're amplifying the skill sets of your two best players by having them play off of each other, and they just, like, rarely do it. And that was a problem with Adrian Griffin. That's a problem with Doc. But at the end of the day, it's exactly what you said, Matt. Like, Dame was supposed to be a fringe top 10 level player in the NBA. He was supposed to be the best offensive player on this team. The reason that I loved this move is that I thought he would be so overwhelmingly great offensively that he would solve by far their biggest issue, which was half-court execution offensively, especially late in games in those playoff environments where you're like, oh my God, turns out an ugly Giannis Iso against Bam Adebayo, a guy who can hang with him physically, right. is a bad possession. Drew Holiday running our clutch offense is pretty suboptimal because of some of the volatility he had as a pull-up shooter, and then athletically, he's just not able to get wherever he wants on the floor. Having a guy who can stress a defense constantly and is a pure shot maker, the level of Damian Lillard, like that should change everything. Dame had his best regular season ever last year. He averaged 32 a game, career high, on career best efficiency, 65% true shooting. In the Portland Trailblazers, which is, I believe, 29th in offensive rating this year, played as a 92nd percentile offense when Dame was on the floor. And he just hasn't been that guy. He hasn't been that guy this year, but he really hasn't been that guy as of late. It looks like he's lost a step. He is struggling to get to the rim more than ever before, attempting a career low percentage of his shots there. And he's struggling as a shooter more than we've ever seen. And he's taking some really tough off the dribble threes. And another reason that I think Giannis in his two-man game should be gone to more is that this team is old and they're lacking in dynamic athletes mm -hmm. outside of Giannis. And if you're running pick and roll with Brooke Lopez every possession, guess what? He's going to pop every single time. There's nobody <laughs> who can threaten the defense as a roller. And so Dame's forced to take these tough, contested pull-up threes. They just need him to be a superstar. And if he's not going to be a superstar, then this team isn't going to contend for anything serious. Yeah, yeah. They lost yeah? that trade and it's, it's a disaster. I do want to ask you, I 100% agree with that, but I do want to ask you, Doc Rivers can't single-handedly single -handedly sabotage a team, right? Yeah. But, like, man, he's getting pretty close to it, no? <laughs> These quotes that he's going to the press, like, what? If that's not it, what would be, you know? It, it's completely ridiculous, the things that he's saying in the media. Even if he would just stop doing that mm -hmm. and just not say anything and not do any that's interviews true. like most coaches do, like yeah. practically every, every other coach in the NBA does – things would be at least you know salvageable but you've got that and you've got like the dame thing where it's like who's your top five or who's a five you'd want to run with and Giannis isn't there which is like not the end of the world but like man you really didn't think to but, put him in there because that's your guy and especially when bam is in there who's not only clearly the right weakest it's like player, so also he's a wrong. miami heat player and well yeah it's wrong but it's also like dame was begging to go only to the heat and now he's mm -hmm. still putting a heat guy in that starting five the vibes are awful dude and doc is definitely making that worse i agree and if you guys notice the other quotes that players have been dropping too it's not just doc like dame had a quote a couple weeks ago where he was talking about he's not clear-minded on the court he's dealing with with off the court stuff with like uh you know his family Divorce. and then yeah, and then Giannis comes out and he's like, I don't watch NBA basketball. I don't watch film. It makes it harder. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't, <laughs> you don't prepare for the Was... game, Giannis? Like, I don't know. And then the, the doc thing, like you said too, Matt, 
does it bother you guys that like doc is laying the foundation of excuses right now that he's like i don't know it's like he's like laying it to disappoint the fans and like he's he's putting down the woodwork now so that there's like a like a breadcrumb trail of absolutely absolutely (laughs) that's what he's doing and here's what happened things were a disaster in that locker room and in that organization that's why Mm -hmm. griffin was gone doc comes in like cool yeah i'll try to turn things around gets in there immediately oh man i can't i can't fix this this is screwed yeah and then he's going to the media and just saying yeah by the way this is a disaster. That's also, what it guys, remember, like it's not me. on me. It's not on me, guys. It's not on old Doc. Yeah. and th- I that's said they shouldn't even part. do this. I didn't even want to do this. It's really... I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> Dude, it's so weird, but it is true. Like, I don't know if Doc, who was, let's remember, Adrian Griffin's mentor and, like, an advisor in this situation, sabotaged him or whatever. I know some people have their theories, but... That was my biggest issue with firing Adrian Griffin when you had the second best record in the league, 40-something games into his first ever season as a head coach. It wasn't that he had been doing a good job. I didn't think that he had been doing a good job. I thought that in terms of late-game offense, there was some weird stuff operationally. Again, the Giannis Dane pick and roll, they should go more too. They were defending poorly, even considering the personnel. But I mostly thought, like, you need to give this situation time to gel you need to give damon Giannis time to figure things out you do ultimately need to address the personnel weakness that is the Mm -hmm. biggest issue in terms of your defense falling off a cliff and they didn't give time for that to happen and i get that it seems nobody liked adrian griffin and people were done with him and like they did that whole jig when they played their first game without him (laughs) but the problem is if you're in a situation that's going to be problematic either way and you abandon, give up on a guy after 40-something games, and then you go to another guy who's not even a good coach and isn't the solution. Not Like, now we're in panic mode. Now things mm-hmm. are spiraling. Now we've taken a bad situation, and we've stacked instability on top of it, and things have gotten worse. And that was my biggest problem with firing Adrian Griffin that fast. And then especially Doc being the replacement. I have two quick questions for you guys. Okay. All right, number one. Do you think Doc Rivers will be the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks next season? I mean, how is he not? I, the, it, the, the complicated thing that comes into this is it's like the Raiders situation with head coach, how they're paying three or four different mm-hmm. guys simultaneously because their owner's a dumbass. It's the same concept. You're paying all these different guys. Like like, like you've said, Carson, they, if you let Adrian Griffin coach out this first year, you leave yourself two outs at the end of the year. Damian doesn't have to be the scapegoat if he doesn't play up to superstar level. You can just say, oh, it was Adrian Griffin. And then guess what? (laughs) You get a pass from the media next season. It's a clean slate. We'll get a new head coach in there. We'll restart. Even if it was Doc, you give yourself an out. You say, oh, it wasn't Damian Giannis. They didn't fail. It was personnel, and it was Adrian Griffin. None of us liked him. But by jumping the gun and doing this, you have taken that out away from yourself and you have handcuffed yourself to Doc Rivers for not just this year, but I mean, I think the next two, they threw him a bag. I don't know how you, Yeah. I don't know how you can fire him. And that's what sucks is it's kind of like abundantly clear that Doc doesn't give a shit. That Doc doesn't really care that much. But I agree, dude. Like if you are a team that is towards the top of the league in terms of record, and you have a top three player on the planet, and you fire three coaches in a calendar year, 
I don't know how you can do that. Like that to me, again, just worsens the spiral. It worsens the descent. And that's the problem with going from a subpar option to a subpar option. And I just can't help but think like, what if they had just hired Nick Nurse? What if they had mm -hmm. hired Nick Nurse who apparently yeah, absolutely. they wanted, but Giannis didn't want? Like, would they be the title favorite? Probably not. Like, I don't think that he is a like magic flex seal. All your problems are <laughs> gone. But I can pretty much guarantee you that they'd be firmly in that inner circle, the top three with Denver and Boston. Mm -hmm. And right now, they're scrapping with the tier below that. So then my second question would be, do you think that jig will be the peak of the Doc Rivers-Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks era? Yes. It's not getting better than that. Because they had this delusional excitement. Apparently, they hadn't watched the last 12 years of basketball. And there are no more jigs to be had in Milwaukee. The jig is up, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Thanks, man. That's all there is to say about the Bucks. The jig is up. It's Jover. And, uh, you know next. it's over for a team when you can like make a video being like, they're screwed, they're done, they're so stupid, and the fans don't get mad at you, they're happy you're saying <laughs> mm -hmm. that, and they agree. That's when it's over, and from what I've seen, Bucks fans are very, very much yeah. in that camp. Especially because Bucks fans used to be like very sensitive and defensive, at least, and when a fan base can acknowledge it's over. It's a great well, point. And all That's their arguments now, all the Doc defenders are just like, guys, can we wait? Can, can we just wait until we get on Doc? Can we just wait? That's I could, I could wait argument. through a three and seven first mm -hmm. ten game record. That's one thing. It's bad, but it's one thing. The quotes you are undefendable. <laughs> They're the ridiculous. Yeah, for a veteran head coach who's been coaching since mm -hmm. before I was alive. Insane. Yeah, yeah, he's a weird guy, but I do think. If Dame is Dame, if Dame is last year Dame, the Bucks should yeah. still be in the conference finals. Absolutely. Like, that's why I don't want to just scapegoat Doc, because at the end of the day, you're supposed to have overwhelming basketball mm -hmm. talent that can overcome a not-so-great coach. What I always say when Logan talks about Doc is if he's this cartoon villain who's just, like, scheming ways well. to blow up the team with TNT, is he actually <laughs> won a title once? You know why? Because the players were great enough to where his tomfoolery couldn't ruin things. And Yeah, dude, Doc Rivers is the equivalent of Wiley Coyote. I was going to make the exact <laughs> same comparison. And, like, Carson, I don't necessarily 100% disagree with you like well you know how much of his like he's not just just like purposefully yeah. making them lose or anything he's not that but like <laughs> it's it's probably gonna end looking like that no like it's That's ended fair. pretty poorly for him for the last 12 years and it's not looking good now yeah and the fact that this is happening in the regular season the doc sucks <laughs> discourse already like that's the crazy part because Doc wins a lot of games in the regular season with these talented teams when he gets exposed is in that playoff chess match. He's kind of having a legacy defining run here. Like we've never really seen Doc sabotage at this level before. So I am impressed on that front. But you know who's very much trending in the opposite direction? If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. The Dallas Mavericks, who did a little business with your Charlotte Hornets at the deadline, Matt. They did. And they've won six straight now. Do you think that they have title upside? That was a really tough question when I saw it in the rundown you sent me mm. yesterday. It's not an easy answer. I mean, I think yeah. about it, it's like, okay, well, do you have the number one, like the serious number one on a championship team? Absolutely, right? Luca is one of the best offensive creators in the world ever. Uh, yeah. He's playoff proven, and he can go sort of that there's not much you can do about me mode that mm-hmm. you need guys to be able to do, right? Like every championship team has a guy like that. Luka can do that. And you got the number two in Kyrie. The offense with them has been super, super good. Kyrie's also incredibly proven. He's looked good since he's come back from injury. So, I mean, offensively, when they're both on the court, I think it's maybe the best in the NBA or one of the best in the NBA. Uh, so that that absolutely is championship level. The question's about the defense. And what you've seen since they've made these moves is that they added some size, they got Gafford, they got PJ, and it has made a world of difference for them. Now the It's a little bit questionable because a lot of the other guys are fighting to be par defenders, it feels like, mm-hmm. like the Lucas and the Kyries of the world. And you got to question, like, how is that going to hold up in the playoffs? Are teams going to be able to just go at these guys and hopefully try to, like, space things out a little bit and the interior help isn't there as much and that's what ends up costing them? Or is it going to be like, yeah, we're going to be able to counter what people throw at us because we've got Maxi and PJ and, and Gafford and Lively. It's a pretty good rotation of guys to be able to, you know, throw out some different looks at teams or respond to different looks. You got good spacing in there. You got good size, uh, depending on how you play that. Uh, I, I think it's it's close enough where I could say, yeah, if, if the defense is even, you know, 80% of what it's looked like recently – and the offense is as good as it's been, it wouldn't shock me if they were in the Western Conference Finals. And if you can get that far, it wouldn't shock me. I don't know. I, I, I lean, I'm going to lean, yes, I think it can be done. And maybe if not this year, 
they have ammo in the offseason, I think, to go out and try to make another move. So I think, yeah. I think the Dallas Mavericks really do have uh, a title upside. And I think you're right, Matt. Like, this is the really the best rotation and conglomerate of you know, players that they've ever had around, like, alongside Luka. And, like, you even look at the Western Conference Finals run. I mean, it's really Brunson, right? It's really Brunson and just guys playing up to adequate levels of defense and shooting. And when you look at everybody, the totality here, um, it's a lot better. They're 3-0 and with Daniel Gafford. They have over 50 rebounds in the three games with Daniel Gafford. Without him, they were averaging 41 and a half. Uh, in the three games with Gafford, they're averaging 55 rebounds per game. Now, I think mm-hmm. we need to mention, with that, there's a bit of a caveat. They've played the Spurs, the Wizards, hey. and hey. the Thunder. All three <laughs> of those teams are yeah. very slight teams. So, Literally, I mean, towards the absolute bottom of the league, 29th in rebound rate is the Thunder, and 30th is the Wizards. But that's a real advantage that Dallas is going to have over slighter teams, over smaller teams in the front court. And that's something that's so huge about having Gafford having Lively, it's super easy for hyper-athletic big men to fit in here alongside Luka mm-hmm. and Kyrie, right? Both of these guys are great out of pick and roll, getting downhill. You have to respect them from everywhere on the court. Uh, they can throw lobs wherever. And so, really, every possession, if you just have a guy rolling hard to the rim, it has to draw attention. It opens up lob opportunities. But it also gets them close to the rim if Luka or Kyrie put up a shot, like it's just a good action to run in your offense. And if you have a hyper-athletic big man, it's going to work. And then they make up for those guys' defensive deficiencies that you mentioned, Matt, with rim protection. So they're just great assets to have. Lively this season has the sixth most alley-oops finished. Gafford has the 12th most. Like they're really good for what they do alongside these guys. And then you mentioned some of the role players, like they're playing really well. And I, I think I trust them. Like I think it's going to require them playing good wing defense mm-hmm. and shooting well, but I don't think that's out of the, uh, I don't think that's it's, you know, it's not, too it's much It's definitely not entirely out of the question. That's how I feel about it too, and that's mm-hmm. why I think they do have that ceiling. And you're right, the rest of the offense, not even just the bigs, but the rest of the offense is just really, really well built out. Mm-hmm. And I, I know mm-hmm. like PJ maybe hasn't done anything crazy for them yet, uh, but having an ultra, ultra versatile four like that with his size, yeah. he can get worked out of the post, he can, you know, go mm-hmm. off the dribble. I think it's absolutely huge for him. I really like what they've got going on. Yeah, dude, uh, the, to, to, to speak specifically like to the role guys, Hardaway Jr. can swing a mm-hmm. series with his shooting, man. Josh yeah. Green has been playing good ball recently. The one guy that's flown under the radar to me is Dante Exum, man. Exum's been kind of a diamond in the rough pickup for them. He's averaging an efficient 9-3-3 on 57-48-73 splits. Um, Like, you said it, Matt, at the start. If they get superhuman Luka and Kyrie on offense and everything else is to an adequate or average level, they have the personnel to make the run. I I wouldn't be surprised at all, man. Anything is possible with with superhuman Luka and Kyrie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there are two teams who I have significantly more confidence in winning the title than like anybody else. And that is the Nuggets number one and the Celtics number two. But when you are looking at that next tier of teams where I'm like, you really have a puncher's chance. Like I mm-hmm. wouldn't even put the Clippers right. quite in that top tier. The Bucks would be in that next tier. I think the Mavs are now there. You have one of the most dangerous offensive duos, specifically backcourts, in league history and there is no overstating how dominant 
Luka is in playoff environments. Like, you said it, Matt. The guy who can just get where he wants and the defense is like, oh, man, there's really nothing we can do about this. We can try any different coverage. We can Mm -hmm. throw the kitchen sink at this guy, right? If we trap him, he's going to destroy us with playmaking and he has Kyrie Irving on the court with him. If we deal with him in single coverage in any way, he's going to just annihilate us. Isolation, pick and roll, post-ups. And now they are bigger and they're more athletic in the front court. That's the reason that earlier before the year mm-hmm. i thought this was going to be a play-in team because i'm like their front court is just levels below everybody else but now i look at what lively has grown into this year and with gafford and with pj and i see a starting five of Kyrie, luca josh green pj gafford with thj mm-hmm. and lively and maxi and hardy and dante exum who's been hurt but you're right logan when he was healthy he was playing well like they've done an incredible job of building out this roster and I do still worry about the defensive ceiling. It's higher. They are going to rebound better. They're going to protect the rim better with Gafford out there, and he's going to eat up boards. And offensively, too, yes, he has that vertical spacing that Lively does, but he also brings Mm -hmm. a little more physicality. He's got a little bit more of that touch finishing, too. And I like what I've seen from PJ defensively. That was one of my questions is, all right, we know that he has the tools, right? He's 6'7", athletic moves well in space, got hops, 7-3 wingspan, but when you're a Charlotte Hornet, like, you can only tap into that so much. No offense, Matt. And I was curious, like, how much is he going to buy in? I've been impressed through his first couple games. Well, what it really came down to, and part of the reason why he was so bad for the Hornets this year, because he had a fantastic season last year, but Uh it just felt like sometimes his role was a little bit bigger than it was supposed to be because of the team. Totally. And defensively, defensively, he can't play the five. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing against that. He cannot play the five. But when yeah. Mark Williams went down for the Hornets, he kept getting minutes there, and it's like, it just doesn't work. It's just not what suits him. They ran out of options because it's Nick Richards, P.J. Washington, and then Nathan Mensa, who has been not very good yeah. for Charlotte whatsoever. So I, I, I've heard some Mavs fans talking about, like, well, he's a little bit more, like, defensively versatile than Grant Williams. We can put him at different positions. And I was checking to see, like, do they mean – at center, they mean, you know, yeah. like to play the four a little bit more. It's like they mean he can play the four because they're a serious team and, you know, they don't have 10 yeah. wins or 13 wins or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think P.J. in this environment is going to look like he did last year soon. And I totally agree about the offensive role, too. Like, that's the thing. There were some possessions in Charlotte where you're like, oh, P.J. is running pick and roll. Like, I'm not sure that that really suits his skill set super well. He doesn't have to do that in Dallas. It's play finishing and it's effort defensively. So, Luka's averaging like 35, 9, and 10 on insane efficiency. And in the playoffs, that's damn near what you expect from him. So, when you have that guy, when you have a top two offensive player on the planet, and with him, Kyrie has been so great. Like, in games that Luka doesn't play in, that Kyrie plays in, the Mavs have an offensive rating of 123. When Kyrie is on the floor, they actually have a slightly better offensive rating than when Luka's on the floor overall this year. It's like a negligible difference, but that's awesome value. When you can take your absolute superstar off the court and the guy behind him is so great that you don't really lose much in terms of team production, that makes them scary. I still think the path to beating Denver is exceedingly difficult because in that matchup, they are still going to be undersized and they're not going to defend at that same level. And then I worry, all right, your backcourt, maybe they get picked on defensively and on the glass, I think you're going to lose. And at the end of the day, as great as Luke is, I don't think you have the best player in that series. But outside of that, I don't think there's 
anybody else who I look at and I'm like, yeah, Dallas can't beat them because of what Luka can do and because they've improved in the other areas. They've done a phenomenal job building things up since uh, since Brunson left. Mm-hmm. They, they really yeah. have. And I think it's funny because you've sort of seen both sides of, of, of the trades from them. It's like they got Kyrie. And I think a lot of people said, you know, like, well, are they just going after a star for the sake of going after a star? That fit next to Luka, that doesn't work. It's, it's more to just talent than building out a team. And then they made the PJ trade. And I feel like I heard a decent number of people say the opposite, where it's like, you really gave up a first-round pick for PJ Washington? He's not, <laughs> he's not talented enough to, to do that for. That doesn't make any sense. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad things are working out for him. I'm excited to watch uh, – some serious Luka playoff basketball. I think it'll be good. I do have one question for you guys about this one, though. Yeah. Okay, Mavs are pretty serious now, right? We're saying they have title upside. Wolves, Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, five teams in the West. Not all of them can make the second round. Of those five, who is the most likely to be a first-round exit? The most likely out of the, out of the five you gave? Mm-hmm. Probably Oklahoma City. I hate doing that to them, but... Uh, slight framed, inexperienced. Uh, I want to add one more thing about what you were saying about Kyrie, Matt, is I think it's actually deeper than that. I think the Kyrie trade was a desperation move to make sure that uh, Luka didn't leave. Like, I think in retrospect, like, they needed somebody that was going to, like, not only, like, just talent-wise, they needed somebody Mm -hmm. as like, hey, Luka, we're committed to you. We want you Mm -hmm. to stay here. Because I think that if... And if that ever broaches it, or if we get to a point where the Mavs are having real turmoil, where they are in the gutter, I mean, I think a Luka Jokic crossover collab, you know, could be on mm-hmm. the table. I don't know what that hypothetically looks like, but I think that was... They the obviously want was, to, and yeah. players have a lot of leverage. I don't know how it would happen either. And I, I 100% agree. The Kyrie stuff worked out so well because they got a player for such talent for mm-hmm. so cheap. Like, it was the right swing to take you needed to find the way to get some of that stuff back when you lose Brunson for nothing that was the way to do it totally I thought that the Brunson disaster was something that was going to set them back for years years I'm like I saw that I'm like well teams just don't come back from that like you just you just can't have that happen to you right literally have to be able to hang on to that guy and then I looked at the Kyrie trade and I was like, okay, yeah, it's good value for the caliber of pure basketball player he is, but now you're giving up all of your front court depth, all of the guys who were able to propel you to that Western Conference Finals run because, yeah, you had the shot creation, but you needed the defense of Adorian Finney-Smith on the wings. And you're giving up like the remaining draft assets you have. And I liked the basketball fit. I worried about the defensive backcourt, as I still do. But offensively, people were like, oh, it's two ball-dominant guards. No, man, Kyrie has played alongside a lot of other ball-dominant players. He's such a great spot-up shooter. He attacks quickly and efficiently. But then he can dictate offense when those guys are off the floor. I really liked that. I was just like, you have no other assets. And you still have these glaring, glaring weaknesses in your front court. And the value moves that they have made to fix those issues are incredible i'm really impressed and also Kyrie hasn't done anything insane and it hasn't been that long but you're through most of a season and yeah he got hurt and that's a concern but he's healthy now he's playing great and he hasn't been like a locker room problem so that's a win and answer your question because i really like that i think the thunder are the most likely and it comes down to what logan said in my opinion too i love okc I think that also the Gordon Hayward move is going to make them Mm -hmm. better because he'll eat up those Josh Giddy minutes. I think SGA (laughs) is like, 
a fringe top five player on the planet. I think I'd have him just outside, but I think he is going to do special things in this run. I love J-Dub. I love Chet. But it does come down to their slight. And when I think about the various matchups, Minnesota is going to be able to give everybody real troubles with mm -hmm. their defense. And against any big physical team, they match up really well. And then I think they have enough of that star shot making in the half court. What I'm seeing from Dallas right now, it's... They have the best player on the floor, and no, they're not a better defense than OKC, certainly. But in playoff environments, I think that they can kind of bully an OKC, right? Like Luka at 6'8", 230, whatever he is. I mean, he's a big dude. Mm -hmm. Lou Dort can do, can do his damnedest, but when you consider then you have a more grown man like Gafford, I kind of like their upside in that matchup too. So I love OKC. I think that they're awesome. But it's a it's shaping up to be a pretty strong West. Mm -hmm. It is. I'm really excited for it. I am. Who are who do you think is the odd team out out of that group? Probably whoever matches up with the Nuggets in round one. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> that, I, I, and I didn't think about that until I asked you guys just a second ago. But like, mm -hmm. if the Nuggets don't start taking the regular season like super seriously, then yeah. they're probably going to end up being like the four seed, and they almost certainly will play one of these teams. Mm -hmm. That's a good right? point. So a lot of it comes down to like the Thunder might be, in your opinion, like the weakest out of the five. Very and good I point. agree, I really like them. But then if they go and play, I'm not going to name a certain team because I don't, I'm not starting that beef. If they go play, let's say, <laughs> a, a team that's not quite as strong, uh, yeah. then maybe they can get it done. I hope so, dude, because I think Shea is so good and he's so fun to watch. A first round exit, no matter how good he mm -hmm. played, I don't want to see those conversations. No, I don't. I don't want to see that discourse. Let him get to the second round and lose in seven to whoever at least. Dude, Shea hate is the craziest thing in the world mm -hmm. to me. Uh, Shea is amazing. Is there any reason and he's to believe so why it won't translate? You know, it's like I, I get the no like sort of playoff numbers. It's like, hey, come on, man. What about Let's his game doesn't translate? Like. Think about it. The most valuable thing you can do in those playoff settings is consistently get to your spots in and around the rim, but not be so specifically dependent on, oh man, I'm just a downhill athlete. I'm a Russell Westbrook or whatever. And if you build a wall, then I might struggle because I'm forcing finishes. I don't have that skilled shot making from floater range, from mid range to beat you. SGA is a guy who gets to his spots in the paint no matter what but then can kill you with the turnarounds, can kill you with the step-throughs, the touch shot making. Like, whatever you throw at him, he has a counter for. I think he's going to be amazing. But that's a good point that you make about the seeding. Like, the Thunder are going to be, in all likelihood, a top-two seed. Well, they could be the three-seed. I shouldn't say in all likelihood because the margins yeah. are slim. But they're not going to be in that four-five slot. They just play too hard in the regular season, and they're too good. So they might not have the most intimidating matchup, but who knows? That six seed could be the Mavs. That six seed could be the Lakers who are tough. It could be the Suns who are tough. Like, to me, they are the team that has the most playoff question marks compared to some of these other ones. But it's going to be fun, dude. It's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources all right so we've done a little bit of talking about Luca and the Mavs and I think that he for a long time has been the answer to this question but I'm interested Mm -hmm. to see if that has changed Logan we'll start with you if you were to start an NBA franchise with one player who would that guy be uh, for the eighth year running, I will be selecting Carl Anthony Towns uh, as <laughs> my, my franchise building block. Good choice. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting on it. I'm just. It's all going to come together. Uh, it's going to formulate. I don't know if this is the cop-out answer. I feel like this is probably the new wave number one. I'm taking Wemby. I'm going to take Wemby as my franchise building block. Like, I, um there are other guys that I would consider. Luca is on that short list. Uh, SGA is on that short list wholeheartedly. Like, you say fringe top five. I'm ready to just say top five with SGA, Ooh. man. He is unreal. Uh, can, can we have a quick conversation? I want to know which of Jokic, these names you're leaving out. Okay, Giannis, for it. SGA. Uh, SGA above are, are Luka, fully, question Are mark? we going fully healthy? Are we going fully healthy? Yeah. Probably Luca, SGA, Embiid. Okay. Something like I mean, that. It's so t- I don't think the that's egregious. So talented, man. If I can push back healthy yeah. Kawhi to me in a playoff environment, I just can't. Still there. I, I would. I mean, healthy Kawhi, but it's like healthy Kawhi. You know, we have to put that. We Steph. have to preface it. You know. And Steph. Oh. It's still and tough Steph. for me to and leave Steph. Steph out of there. Damn. <laughs> yeah, actually. That's why sorry. you go with the fringe. It's, go with the fringe. I'm sorry. It gives you more margin. He's six. SGA six. I can't put him above Steph. Steph's still him. It's close. Yeah. So SGA would be on my short list. Luca, Anthony Edwards. Uh, I think Ant is going to reach this top three or maybe best player in the league. Well, I'm so confident, Ant. But I mean, what Wemby is doing right now, and you can just see how easily everything is going to come to him. The I expect Wemby to be so well rounded that you just don't have a counter for him. Like I think he's gonna. Mm-hmm defensively I think his frame is going to fill out and I think he is going to be a stout fluid 7-4 and, and I'm not talking rocked up or but but thicker you know where he's not getting yeah. moved around by big guys and he's going to be so long that his size is just overwhelming defensively and he's not just going to get moved around and then offensively you see everything the lob catching how easy it is for him around the rim how long he is to get to all these different spots uh the shooting stroke, the skill with the ball handling. And now that you're seeing the playmaking with the basketball IQ, like he is the total freaking package with these overwhelming physical attributes. I just see a player that is not going to have any holes in his game where we can throw two or three guys at him and uh, try to lock up his scoring. And then he's going to be an elite playmaker and he's going to be setting up his teammates. Like I just... I so easily can see Wemby being the best player in all of the NBA. And even if he's not, he is still going to be one of the best defenders on the planet and one of the most efficient offensive players on the planet. That's enough for me to buy in right now. Number two for me probably would be Anthony Edwards, but I'm going to take Wemby number one. 
Whoa. Ant over Luca for you. It's close. Luca would be three, SGA four. I, Ant. Wow. Ant's going to be him, man. I, I just, I think so. All right, Matt, who would you build around? I would take Wimby. I mean, yeah. I, I think you have basically two options, right? Maybe three. You can take Jokic, who is the current best player in the mm, world, and young enough true. so where it's like, okay, like I can still yeah. get some work done. You can take Luka, who isn't the best player in the world. I don't think he's better than Jokic, but like he's pretty darn close. Very obviously can be the best player on a championship team. There isn't any question about it. And yeah. he's he's pretty young. Or you can really swing for the fences and say Victor Wimbanyama, right, who's incredibly young. But he could go down as, you know, I don't think there's any – this is any stretch. Like he could go down as the best player ever. He mm-hmm. absolutely could. He's he's that level, or he could at least have one of the highest peaks ever. I don't think there's any question mm-hmm. that that's within the realm of possibility. For me, what I've seen from Wimby this year, the way that he's developed, uh, the level he's been at on defense, and what his offensive game is turning into, I don't have the guts to bet against that. So I'd go Victor Wimbanyama. Uh, I mean, if, if I told you right now that. Vegas was making a line for mm-hmm. Wimbanyama. Is he going to win multiple defensive players of the year? You figure that the <laughs> yes would be. You'd say yes would be ridiculous minus money, right? Minus like, I would, it's, the, the, like, like The question is, like, is this guy going to be the best defensive player of all time? You know, that's, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's the big question with him. And, and the offensive game, too, I agree. It's like, well, it looks like he's developing – every aspect a pretty serious amount the shots looking a little bit better you know he's good off the ball he's good on the ball he's attacking in these different ways and like yeah he needs to get a little bit stronger and like yeah he's still just a rookie but there's a world where he is a defensive player like we have never seen before and that nobody has ever been able to like come close to even theoretically matching and on offense he's a super skilled seven foot four player with a (laughs) well-rounded game like dude and I just do think that's going to happen. I do think it's going to yeah. turn out that way. Maybe there's some risk of, like, can he stay healthy mm-hmm. for super long? And I think that would honestly be maybe the best argument against it is, like, he's really slight. Maybe his frame never builds up. Luka and Jokic, you know, are particularly healthy players in a particularly mm-hmm. unhealthy era. And maybe that should be something that you value more. But I'm going to go with Victor Wimbanyama. I think the health is a good point. And it's not to me like, oh my God, there's this historical precedent mm-hmm. of guys who are 7'3 plus, they always get hurt. A, I think we're in a different era in terms of medicine. And B, I've never seen a dude who is so proactive about taking these preventative measures and making mm-hmm. sure that he is absurdly flexible, like doing everything he can to protect his body like Wemby does. And he's been really healthy this year like even his little ankle thing where he was on the minutes restriction for a while i mean he was dropping 25 points in 20 minutes he looked great they're just being careful because he's their he's their franchise cornerstone and they don't have any reason to push him because they're not a serious basketball team it is Wemby for me now and every year that i can remember having this conversation like on our show logan since for sure luca's second season in the league he's been like an easy answer for me you make a good point Matt about like Jokic just clearly being the best player in the league but to me does that outweigh having nine more years of Victor Wembanyama? no it, it doesn't I'm just saying I, I think I guess mm-hmm. I could see the case for that maybe no, some teams I might pick Jokic depending on like where they are but yeah I, I, I can't too dude yeah because I remember you guys, you guys give Giannis at all too 
I mean, he's just I don't not think better I don't Jokic. Yeah, I don't think I would. To be real with you, I mean, he's great. I think he could win another title. I think if mm-hmm. you were building a team around him, that'd probably be pretty cool. That wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it wouldn't. But I, I, I think Jokic has a game that probably is going to age a little bit better, and I think he's yeah. better right now. And it's tough for me to pick against that. Agreed on all counts, and I just don't see like the path to Giannis really getting better at this point. I think that we've seen kind of stagnation in the playmaking. I think that we've seen there's just nothing there in terms of skilled touch shot making, and that's not going to develop at 30 for him. So between those two, I think it has to be Jokic. But, like, I do see the case for Jokic because I remember I I was taking, like, 32-year-old LeBron in this question seven years ago. I was like, he's so much better than everybody else. I would just rather have LeBron. But... That probably wasn't the right position. That was probably a bit short-sighted. I would have rather taken a full career of a Giannis or a Jokic starting from that point mm-hmm. versus what we get of the last you know, seven years of LeBron, as incredible as they've been. But I think it comes down to what you laid out, Matt. This guy has clear potential to be the defensive GOAT, and he has the clear potential to pair that with an offensive superstar skill set. Like... I just want us all to think for a moment about how valuable a regular season player, a Rudy Gobert has been because defensively he's going to make you a top five unit on that side of the ball, really regardless of who you put around him. Then think about making that guy three inches taller, giving him a wingspan that's a few inches longer, making him significantly more agile in space. And it's like that dude is going to propel you to elite defense every single year and is going to hold up better defensively in those playoff environments, even though I think Rudy can get a little bit of excessive criticism for that. And Rudy has made his all-star appearances on the back of that while being really inept offensively. Wemby is, again, a more imposing athlete, a bigger target around the rim, while also having, like, Arguably wing fluidity when you're talking about ball handling and pull-up shooting and this playmaking that is already so impressive. He just has the ability to surpass Luka in terms of the number of ways that he can dominate the game. I think Mm -hmm. Luka's off to as great an offensive start to a career as we have ever seen. And I don't want to undersell that because it is insane what he has done every single year elevating the guys around him. But at the end of the day... He is still a guy who you have to play a certain style of basketball with, and he is going to be quite ball dominant. And I think there's little adjustments he has to make in terms of playing away from the ball to like absolutely maximize his value. He's still probably a top three player on the planet, but if we're talking about like him reaching that goat tier kind of conversation, but he's never going to be able to have a significant positive impact defensively. Whereas Wemby, I mean, is going to be the perfect defensive player. And then offensively, is going to be able to fit seamlessly alongside anyone. Like, who is the star who I could say you're pairing Wemby with and it wouldn't work? Like, you wouldn't pair him with a five long-term, but even if you did, like, Wemby at the four would would work. Like, he has that level of insane versatility. And if you pair him with a lead guard, what he's been doing for the last two and a half months now, since he moved to center, per 75 possessions, He's averaging 27, 13, and 5 with 6 stocks per game on better than league average true shooting. He's doing that with the Trey Jones show, right? No other (laughs) high-level offensive threats on his team as a rookie, bro. Knowing that he's going to shoot the ball better, although he has been quite good as of late. But, like, more stuff is coming in terms of perimeter skill. We're seeing him run pick and roll, and it's like, oh, man. He shoots 42% on pull-up threes 
and he can also play make over the top of these coverages if you hedge what are you going to do with that guy like it's hard to conceive of how great i think he's going to be in this league and that is nothing about luca i legitimately couldn't have imagined that a player this great would come into the league and lock mm -hmm. knock luca off of that mm -hmm. pedestal because it's like every step of the way oh he's arguably the greatest second year player ever offensively and through six years he's been as great offensively as anybody we've ever seen but we're just looking at a different beast here we're looking at a one-of-a-kind guy yeah i mean that point about the rudy gobert defense stuff it's like you know the Wimbenyama defense alone is probably going to end up being a hall of famer rudy gobert is a hall of famer based just off the yeah. defense and we're arguing yeah. that wimby maybe could be better than that and the whole you know offensive game I, I just I'm, I'm totally bought into to Wimby. I have no no doubts about it outside of maybe the health does get to him. But I'm just I'm looking at a guy who's got the potential to be the best ever. I am, and, and I'm I'm taking that. Carson, that might be the best soul like succinct sentence that I've heard on Wimby. I, I also cannot conceive of how good he's going to be. I of all the things that he's going to do so well, I. Yeah. Because we've never seen it. Wemby's one of a kind, bro. He is, he's legitimately one of a kind, bro. Well said, man. It's impossible. Like, I watch him do stuff every night. And by the way, I watch Luca do stuff every night, too, where I'm like, what the hell? How did he throw that lob from that angle? How did he throw that skip pass? How did he make that shot? Like, the touch, the playmaking, it's unbelievable. But what's so terrifying about Wemby is he's doing these things I can't conceive of. And some of it is just, a lot of it is just raw gifts. Literally just catching yeah. a lob, nobody else on the planet could. Blocking right. a shot, nobody else on the planet could. Like, Luca has had to perfect these aspects of his game to do these jaw-dropping things. Mm -hmm. When we came into the league with advantages that nobody else can match just because that's what he was born with, dude. And obviously the I skill mean, is crazy, but... The defensive range he has is just, no one's yeah. even come remotely close to it. No yeah. one's even come like like seventy percent of the way there. It's 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 just a completely different animal. It's it's really crazy. So yeah, I'd go with it. It is. And he's gotten so much better in four <laughs> mm -hmm. months of his rookie. And that's that's year, the other dude. thing. It's like the, maybe the one thing that would scare you about those gifts is like, well, if he didn't develop and development's right. not linear, but like, man, it's looked pretty linear so far. It's looked pretty darn good so far. <laughs> It's insane. It's one of the craziest, if not the craziest, within a year leap that I can think of seeing from a rookie. We've been talking Wemby a lot recently, but my God, dude, he just boggles my mind. I bet all the Celtics fans are upset that we didn't take Jason Tatum. That discourse has been cracking me up <laughs> as of late. He's 19. He's 19. How did we not take Tatum? Dude, the Tatum is simultaneously the best player on the planet, but we also want you to acknowledge that Jalen, Kristaps, Drew, and Derek White are all all-stars. It's like, all right, congratulations on winning 76 games this year, Boston. Like, I'm not sure all those things can be true simultaneously. But they're not a super team. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're not <laughs> a super team. They're not a super team. That's, that's, I've, I've seen a lot of talk about that. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it amuses me. We don't need to talk about Tatum right now. I do think he gets elevated a bit into some conversations that he doesn't belong in because the team is so great. And I think the Celtics are great. It's just like 
Tatum being the best player on the best regular season team doesn't mean that he's Nikola Jokic, you know. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Let's talk about some teams who we think aren't really getting enough shine right now. Matt, who is like the team you look at and you think they're being slept on? They're not getting enough credit for what they're doing. I mean, after this three-game win streak, I knew it. I that knew the Hornets it. I saw that ended. Smile on your I mean, face, they've bro. just <laughs> you just gotta say, Charlotte, don't you? I, I mean, with now, no. <laughs> I actually had a tough time answering this one. I, I think, unlike other leagues. Uh, or maybe not other leagues because I mainly just pay attention to the NFL. I think the NBA right. and, and the community around there is like pretty good at measuring how good a team is just maybe because you play so many games and you have mm-hmm. so much time to mm-hmm. talk and think about it. Like, okay, those five teams I named in the West earlier, do you think any of those teams are like really super slept on? No. Not in particular. Mm-hmm. Not really. Uh, like maybe and then, Dallas because they just changed their may, roster, like maybe but I think just people are happened. acknowledging it. Yeah. Or, you know, and then it's like you got, like, the Suns. Nah, people think they're pretty good. I I think we all agree and know their problems are, like, the Lakers, same thing. I think maybe New Orleans is the team where it's like, yeah, they're pretty darn good. They've been playing some really good ball. Their defense looks good. And offensively, uh, they're really starting to to figure it out, Um, especially with Zion getting more involved. I was going to make a big point about this until the whole JJ Redick drama <laughs> dropped today mm. with his whole video <laughs> and how many views it got and whatnot. Um, you can't talk about it now. No, I can't talk about it now. I mean, I, 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 I agree with him. Zion being, you know, the, the creator being the, the, on the ball more has been really good. Right. Um, and I think as he gets healthier and as he starts to, you know, like get some games in a row and as Ingram does the same thing, it's like, okay, People were really excited about the potential of this very team like last year or a year and a half ago or two years ago. I can't remember. People, they were like the Mm -hmm. favorite team in the NBA. And it's like, dude, they're still here, right? Mm -hmm. This is still the same group of guys pretty much, except, you know, now you've got maybe a couple extra folds there with like Jordan Hawkins and what he's been doing um, as sort of a movement shooter. He's been really, really fun to watch. And I was watching him at the – not the skills challenge. The rising stars. He's got. A, I know that's not the most competitive game in the world, but he's he's got a a couple of moves in his bag. I, I think his his he game's going to grow into more than just being like a Duncan Robinson. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I think the Pelicans are a team where it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden they get into a playoff series with a team that's like supposed to make the second round, and all of a sudden it doesn't look so easy. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're that's... my choice too. Wow. Yeah, they're like the one team. I mean, I think that you really hit the nail on the head, Matt. It's like there's not a lot of teams who don't get a bunch of coverage and shine and are winning a lot of games. And I feel like even we're culpable of this. Like we haven't talked that much Pelicans, but they're playing really, really well. And I don't view them as a team that has like a title ceiling. So maybe that's part of it. But I do right. think that they're really good. I mean, they're eighth in net rating this year. They are 19 and 11 with Trey Murphy in the lineup, who was hurt to start the year. Mm-hmm. And 
Zion has been looking like Zion as of late. There was a little bit of a stretch earlier in the year where he was a little bit passive. It felt like maybe he didn't have his full athletic pop yet, but he's played into that shape. He's been playmaking really well, doing some more of that primary ball handling stuff in February. He's 25, 6, and 6. And I am just endlessly amazed by his versatility. The number of things that you can do with fully healthy Zion. Like, it's just incredible. Obviously, he's this ridiculous transition weapon, but the sheer force that he has as a driver out of pick and roll. Attacking mismatches out of the post. Obviously, he can dominate anybody one-on-one, but then if you dig, he's certainly a good enough playmaker to kick out to shooters in isolation, that first step in strength combo and vertical athleticism. He's just so crazy, crazy good, and I feel like that's starting to get acknowledged now, but it's been a little bit lost throughout this recent stretch of the year, and maybe they don't have that title upside because I worry about how dynamic can they be offensively as a team that doesn't have a great shooting ceiling, right? It's not that they have guys who can't shoot, but it's, okay, Valanchunas is not a guy who wants to be living at the three-point line. Nor is Herb Jones, nor is Brandon Ingram, nor is Zion. And when you have that sort of limitations in terms of dynamic shooting, and you also don't have like a tier 1A guy, I wonder, okay, how are you going to Mm -hmm. overcome these juggernauts? But when you're talking about being just like an unpleasant first round matchup. They have multiple star shot creators. CJ being your third option is pretty damn good. They are Mm -hmm. big in the front court. They have some physical dudes with Zion and Valanciunas out there. They have some really good supporting wings with Herb and Trey Murphy. They defend well as a team. Like they check a lot of those just good team boxes. And I think it's not like there's some big gap between some of the teams that we do talk about more and New Orleans. They're not my favorite like dark horse out west but i do think they are the ones who get the least attention for how well they're playing and if you guys harken back to a couple of years ago uh in the first round phoenix versus new orleans when chris paul went out for a little bit that was a series where new orleans did push phoenix now granted uh chris paul is out for a little bit in that series but also zion williams is not out, out there yeah. in that series so you know, New Orleans gave them a run for their money, and they're not even at full health. And that was a series where I was like, man, Phoenix is reeling. You know, they're on the ropes. Like, New Orleans mm-hmm. might steal this thing. I, I think you guys put them in the exact right tier they belong in. I, I don't think they're real contenders. I don't know if they're going to make a Western Conference Finals run or anything like that. But they are underrated. The biggest reason I, I don't view them in a different light, like you were saying, Matt, because they were. Dude, I took the bait, too. I was like, man, this team's going to win 50 wins. I, I get it. They're going to be 3-4 seed. Yeah. It. I was all in. Uh, I I want them to get, like, one more role player, one more, like, scoring guard off the bench. I don't know if that can be Jordan Hawkins. I do want to talk about him for a minute. He hasn't been super efficient uh, as of recently. He hasn't been playing great, but I don't think he's just a spot-up guy. Like, that guy is a – I think he's going to be a really special spot-up player one day, and if it is that six-man fill-it-up role or just a complimentary offensive piece – he doesn't just have a really smooth shooting stroke, and he's not just good, you know, curling around screens. This is a guy who's one hell of an athlete that if you can create him an advantage and get him a runway or uh, have a guy running at him, like, he can – he has a little little bit of that creation where he can get to the hoop and jam. And, yeah, and that, like that's, he's, that's he's a little bit more athletic. Like, he's, he, I think he's got an interesting uh, 
ceiling, I guess, because mm -hmm. I, I, I want to see how the creation does grow for him and, and how he can do off the dribble. Because if he becomes sort of like a sixth man guy, like you said, but he's also mm -hmm. a super strong movement shooter, I feel like mm -hmm. that'd be a, an archetype of player that you don't see and, a ton of. It's not super, super common. And it'd be, it'd be yeah. something that's super valuable specifically in this mm -hmm. lineup, like you guys mentioned, where you have... McCollum, where you have Brandon Ingram, where you have Zion Williamson creating advantages for him, but also when you have lack of shooting in other areas. And the big difference to me is what you guys said. It's that Zion Williamson's going to be out there. If Zion Williamson isn't a playoff series, it's like, who can hold him? I think it was friend of the show, uh, Jokic Yostar and Pablo Escobar, shout out their show, uh, State of the League. Shout out. You guys shout can check that out, uh, YouTube, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Uh, they do great work. But I believe both of them said the same thing. It's just those singular athletic, like, first movements with Zion. If it's the step, if it's the contact, like, uh, yeah. I can't remember which one of them said it, but absorbing that, on our yeah, show. absorbing that contact and then going up trying to meet him at the rim, he just... You have to have such a specific defensive archetype and have these physical attributes to even match him. You have to mm -hmm. be strong... You have to have that vertical pop, and it's just, it's really freaking hard. Zion's a tank, and if he is healthy in a playoff run, there's a lot of teams that don't have that one defensive weapon that you can turn to. Like, he'll just bully a lot of guys uh, in matchups. So, I don't know if I picked them to, to upset a team, but there's a chance, man. I mean, and they're going to, like I said with that Sun series, we all know how playoff basketball works, man. That one guy goes down that you can't have go down, and... Maybe the Pelicans pull it off, dude. They're a they're they're definitely a good sleeper team. It's I was I was thinking about this the other day. This is not really that related. <laughs> I can't think of a single time where a team has lost one of their like top two or top three players in a playoff mm -hmm. run and then figured it out anyway. No, yeah. that's like the, the closest the closest ever was the twenty nineteen Warriors still getting mm -hmm. to the finals. And frankly, I think they could have won without Katie if Clay didn't also tear his ACL in game six. But yeah, it's it's very, very, very rare. Yeah, it's like nearly yeah. nearly mm -hmm. impossible. I'm it trying to even think impossible. of like a s like the single series. Like the the Nets were really close. The, who the Mavs or, the Mavs lost Luca for the Mavs lost Luca for one three series games. in Brunson. Yeah. Three games and then he came back. Mm -hmm. No, it's really tough. I'm trying to think of examples throughout league history. That's that's why I brought it up on here it. because I know you yeah. two would be my <laughs> yeah. best hope of figuring that out because you can't really Google it. Yeah. You know? Well, actually, you know what? Phil Chenier was hurt for the 78 title run for the Bullets, so. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he was their, uh, their fourth best player. He wasn't out there. No, it's really hard to do, dude. It's really hard to do. When you said you were going to bring up something unrelated, I thought maybe you were going to give an eternal sunshine take or something. No, You no, had this no. look in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> I've already brought one up the Hornets one time. I'm Fair. I've done my part. Fair. Who's your choice, Logan? Are you the Pelicans too? No, my, my team would be uh, probably the Suns. I just think in... Mm. I don't know, around the league, I just think that, uh, like Matt was saying about Dallas, I think a lot of people aren't really considering them to be real title contenders. And not that they're really, fra uh, you know, not that they don't have their own flaws. We've talked about this extensively about Phoenix, that we worry about them reaching that high enough defensive ceiling. But I'll stick to it. 
with three offensive creators this caliber with the spot up guys that you can theoretically have alongside them with the improvements that they've made depth wise and on the wings defensively I, I can see it for Phoenix. Now, again, their fatal flaw is the reliance on the mid-range shot. If you guys go to cleaning the glass, it's legitimately comical looking at these. Uh, Kevin Durant, 100 percentile of long mid-range shots. Devin Booker, 97th. Bradley Beal, 93rd. Um, their lineups together are comical to look at, too, at these discrepancies. Like, <laughs> they're in the 96th percentile of long mid-range shots, all three of them on the court together. 16.5% of their shots come from there. Uh, nearly 40% come from all of the mid-range. Uh, but they're also super efficient. And so, like, those are tough buckets, and I worry about them settling for a lot of it. But I could see the Suns getting to a Western Conference Finals. Again, the, the measuring stick for all of these teams out West that we're talking about is, eventually, beating the Denver Nuggets. I think that could sink their ship against Denver. But to me, just, I don't know, I, a lot of people aren't really talking about the Suns making real noise. It is the Clippers. It is Minnesota. It is Oklahoma City. It's it's everybody else. And I think Dallas and Phoenix have just as good a shot or better uh, than some of those teams at making a Western Conference Finals run. So it, I think Bradley Beal is going to have to play a little better. I think they're going to have to reach an average defensive ceiling. But I, I'm in no way any means ready to count out Phoenix from actual contention this year. I think a lot of the ways that people talk about them, like if you just check Twitter and nothing else, you'd think that they were maybe like a 10 seed or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're not, they're really not that far off. But I, I do think that people are maybe aware, like their, their flaw of just who they've got around those well, and, three guys. is just so, so weak. And their yeah. issue of pressuring the rim, like Kevin Durant mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, is in the third percentile of uh, players attempts at the rim. Like KD has been, KD just doesn't get downhill anymore, man. Like, it's it, it's yeah. staggering, like, how much he just slams on the brakes and pulls up. And, and again, he's so freaking long, and he's got such good tough shots. I mean, it's like a layup for him, those mid-range attempts. But, mm -hmm. it, but it's not know, literally it's not like that, a layup. That's the thing. Sometimes it, that shot yeah. leaves you. Yeah, in those tough – that's why KD will have those games where he's 14 points, 16 points, and you're like, damn. But, again, they have other guys they can rely on. That's their fatal flaw, but – the Suns still could be overwhelmingly talented enough to to make some noise. I don't dislike the Suns, and I think that maybe for having two, I would say, top ten players, and then Bradley Beal is your number three, they don't get talked about as much as you would expect. But when I compare them to the Mavs, because we had this conversation with Jason mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago before the Mavs had made their moves, and I said that I preferred Phoenix I think that I would move off of that now because of some of the volatility that comes with being so reliant on the mid-range shot making for Phoenix because I think the Mavs would have the best player on the floor in that series. Mm -hmm. And Luka's just more consistently unstoppable because he gets where he wants. He can physically impose himself as a scorer and then leading to playmaking opportunities like that. And now I think that the Mavs are bigger in the front court and mm -hmm. they're more physical there and they can potentially defend at a higher level. It's not going to be a big difference either way. So Phoenix is in that next tier for me, but there's still some pretty clear boxes that they've left unchecked. Really the same ones that have been their question marks all year. All right. We got to talk a little bit of Hornets because the big debate, the one thing everybody cared we about do. in relation to Charlotte before this year mm -hmm. was the Brandon Miller scoot henderson debate and matt i know mm -hmm. that you were on team scoot how are you feeling about that now i feel pretty good about brandon miller 
I mean, he's looked yeah. really good. Yeah. As far You're as goddamn as right, far... you do. Okay. All right. I <laughs> see. Here's 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 I, I back myself into a corner with this because it's like my opinion on it is just like it's just not there yet. We don't know how good Scoot is yeah. yet, really. And and yeah. for me to sit here and be like, oh well, clearly Scoot sucks. Like I just don't believe that things are no, starting to get a little bit better for him. And like I still fully believe like this start is not telling me that the outcome I thought he'd have isn't gonna end up being there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to be like, yeah, Scoot's still better while like he's playing like this, <laughs> yeah. and I'm a Hornets fan. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's put me in a in a tough spot. I'll say with with Miller, I, I'm really happy about a lot of parts of his game. Uh, the mid range has been there a lot for him. Uh, he started to finish a little bit better. Uh, his his handle has been incredibly good for mm-hmm. a guy his size so far. Uh, he's shown a lot of flashes on defense. He really really cares, mm-hmm. which I know might seem like a ridiculous. Yeah. No, thing it's to hard say in Charlotte, man. It's second. hard in Charlotte. <laughs> but you have to realize <laughs> how monumental of an accomplishment that is uh, when you play in, in Charlotte. Um, and he's he really, he, but he's been like a, a vocal leader for the team even as a rookie. Uh, and and while and then three point shot has been really good for him. I still have some questions like, where is his playmaking really going to get to uh, mm. that makes him like a super high end like number one option? Because when we picked him second overall in a great draft, like that's absolutely the standard. And uh, we have you know uh, is is he going to get to the rim more consistently? He's also a guy who doesn't take a lot of his shots inside. Uh, he has a pretty heavy. Yeah mid-range diet which has been good again and especially good for a rookie uh, but the more interior stuff you can get going the better in my opinion and mm-hmm. as a whole charlotte's problem has been not enough guys well especially with the mellow not enough guys getting to the rim yeah so i want to see that but so far i'm really happy with him and if somebody told me like i'm not going to sit here and argue against anybody saying miller's better it's pretty tough to, but I, I think with Scoot the advantages that i think he could have you know scoot's a higher level athlete i think he'll be uh, if, if he becomes what I think he can become, the playmaking will be better. Maybe the advantage creation mm-hmm. will be better just off the dribble. Um, yeah. And and I think his shot really could help him turn into more than just sort of like, a, I'm going to get at the rim and kick out and not do much else. And he has mm-hmm. been shooting a little bit better as it's got, at least from distance. I don't think his shot mechanic is like horribly no, off. Like not, not, at not at all. Not at all. With Eamon Thompson. <laughs> Where it's like you watch him, it's like, oh man, if the shot gets there, he's gonna be great. And like, I agree when I watch him, man. That guy is. Yeah. I wonder if if you ranked NBA athletes where he would land. It's um, a great question. Yeah. Somewhere in the top five. It's 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 truly ridiculous, and you can see it immediately. But the shot is like, completely needs to be reworked entirely. You know. Yeah. I don't feel that way with Scoot whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I honestly think, and, and, and Scoot's also younger, and he's also shorter. And really, we mm-hmm. probably should have, I, I look at what Scoot is doing now, and I'm like, we should have seen this coming. We should have known that mm-hmm. this was going to happen. We've seen shorter guard, you know, the shooting needs to come along. He's 19 yeah. years old. Like, yeah, it's probably going to be rough year one. Mm-hmm. And it would yeah. have been pretty shocking if it wasn't. Um but I, I guess I, it's just inconclusive for me is what I wrote down. I don't want to make a call one way or the other until we actually start to see what Scoot turns into. Yeah. I mean, I'll go ahead and I'll make a call on this. Oh. I think Brandon Miller to me is a guy that's going to take a, a, a big leap in year two uh, concretely. Like mm. I think that where he's at already, the progress that we've seen him make this season – 
Brandon's one of the most advanced and fluid rookies that I've ever seen. I always say when we bring up Brandon, he's butter smooth, Matt. He's butter smooth, Brandon Miller, man. The guy's game is just, it's smooth. It's very aesthetically pleasing. And you talk about some of his shortcomings, potentially. Uh, I think, one, because of how great Brandon already is as a generational shooter. Like, I think he is a generationally great shooter. Uh, Over these last 10 games... He's 24-5-2 on 48-42 splits, 61% true shooting, again, 42% from deep. Great pull-up shooter, like you mentioned, from the mid-range and off movement. He Mm -hmm. can shoot from distance. He can shoot with his feet from anywhere. Carson mentioned this in his video breakdown that he did on Brandon Miller. He's currently on pace for the second most three-pointers made by a rookie ever. That's just behind Keegan Murray. I mean, that's rare company. So when you're looking at that, uh, and I don't want to sell him short as an athlete either. Either you talk about a man and Scoot Brandon's one hell of an athlete too. He maybe doesn't have that. Elite He's not like quick... that though. Well, no. I, I, thank you. I was getting there. <laughs> he doesn't have that elite burst because a man does jump off the page, man. It's one step gather to the rim. It's mm-hmm. nuts. It's absurd. Like his the way he transfers that power and energy in one step is ridiculous. So Brandon doesn't have that explosivity, but he's still a good vertical athlete. And I think that when you have yeah. this, if he can weaponize his shooting into getting guys to bump, because uh, you're just going to have to respect him as a shooter, which makes everything else open up on the court where he can attack closeouts and open up space. Uh, and playmaking-wise, I wouldn't have any questions about his playmaking. One, he doesn't have to be a great playmaker now because – fingers crossed, hopefully for the next few years, he has LaMelo that can carry the playmaking load. But to me, Brandon's going to be a good playmaker. With the ball handling, it's just going to come with time. I think he's a guy that at his apex is averaging five-plus assists per game. It's going to be a – I hate doing this because that's his goat, but it's going to be a very Paul George art to me where over time he's just going to grow into his playmaking – Yeah, I'm so enamored with Brandon. He's so much fun to watch. And – I think his impact is just more multifaceted than Scoots. I think he's a better player right now. I think he's more impactful defensively. He's got a bigger, longer frame. He can guard on ball and off. He provides value as that help side rim protector. And he can just fit more seamlessly alongside other stars. I don't want to sell Scoot short. I think you're right. Uh, I wouldn't sell your stock either, Matt. I think Scoot's going to figure it out. I think he's a young first-year guard that's going through the growing pains. But... Brandon Miller's that guy, man. And I'm telling you, I think year two Brandon Miller, we're going to see a bona fide leap where he's over 20 points, four boards, four assists. (laughs) He's doing it efficiently with good defense. And you hit another big personality thing on the head, man. Brandon gives a fuck. He cares. He He wants to win games. He wants to be better. He wants to be a better player. Mm -hmm. Uh, With some of these young guys, and I hate to pick on him, you know, it's like Jalen Green. There's some lack of self-awareness there that I really don't like with Jalen Green. That With Brandon Miller, I'm just like, he gets it, man. I, he I, gets I, it I, right now. I feel what you're saying. And and really, the, the big things for me is, like, I, I look at I look at who, like, the really good number ones are. And there's just not mm-hmm. a lot of guys who are not high-level playmakers, right? That's, that's true. And the guys who are not high-level playmakers, like, when we talk about, like, we think about, you know, the guys who are trying to be number one on championship teams. Mm-hmm. Not a high-level mm-hmm. playmaker. It's a huge problem. And... Very rarely does anybody ever get it done without being that, you know? So yeah. when I see Miller, I see a guy who's doing some – some. he's not like some horrible, you know, just totally tunnel vision crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to say 
I, I guess I just don't feel like it's a guarantee he makes that jump, but I, I do agree. It's like how good he needs to be is probably – he doesn't need to be on Scoot's level as a passer to really yeah. reach that next level. And and a, there's a lot of examples of guys being where Miller is right now and growing into that. Mm-hmm. And with the attitude he has and what he's shown so far this season, you probably should expect that. So if you told me, like, yeah, he's going to continue to grow as a playmaker in and, and that same way, and he's going to get to the rim more because, really, he has to get to the rim more. I, yeah. I, the Hornets cannot do it with, with LaMelo and Miller if neither of them want to get to the rim. It's yeah. – it's, bad hoops but yeah if you told me that then yeah i think i'd be on team miller it's a real good argument i think that your criticisms and concerns about him matt are very valid when you are talking about holding him to that superstar number one on a damn good contender kind of team then i agree and i don't think he's gonna be that i honestly think that his limitations in terms of pressuring the rim I don't really see how he overcomes them. He can get better there because right now he's outside the top 150 in restricted area makes per game. He can grow into his body more. He can get a little bit stronger, but he's not going to develop a first step out of nowhere. And he's probably going to be a bit slight. Like that's just his build. And I never see him being an elite playmaker, but I do think he's going to be a good playmaking wing. And that's the thing. The number of dudes who come into the league at 6'9", and super gifted scorers and can also play make that's a very rare thing because normally your whole life your role has just been to get buckets and you've been so good at it that that's been your top priority and then you get to the league and you realize i really need to be able to make the guys around me better to maximize my value and that just takes time that takes running offense that takes being a primary ball handler over years when i look at the arc though in the typical starting point Like Logan makes the PG comparison, Brandon Miller's further along. Brandon Miller does some stuff where I'm like, wow, okay. Like, he keeps his head up. You give him a late shot clock situation, there's one pass I can think of, and he throws a beautiful lob to Nick Richards. Like, just the comfort Mm -hmm. making a lob pass, that's not normal for a 6'9 rookie. So, I think he's going to be good there, but I really do think, dude, and it's ridiculous the number of times I said this, but, like, the best version of Brandon Miller is going to look a lot like the best version Mm -hmm. of Paul George. The one difference is PG is a better athlete, and so there's a little bit more of that rim pressure. But I think that Brandon Miller is going to be perfectly suited to be like a number one on a solid to good team or a great number two because he just has so many awesome complementary skills. Like he is such a great pure shooter on or off ball that works with everybody. I do think he's going to have a plus versatile defensive impact. And there is some offensive maturity stuff with him in terms of his handle, the sort of herky jerky change in pace he can play with. And those playmaking flashes where I'm like, he's going to be damn good on ball. He has those couple limitations where it's like, I don't think he'll be a superstar, but if I were to pick, who do I want to build a team around between him and scoot? I think about the best version of Brandon Miller, and I'm like, that guy is going to compliment basically whoever I can put him with. I think about the best version of Scoot, and I'm like, maybe that looks something a little bit more like a Ja Morant. And there's differences, right? Scoot is stronger. I also think he needs to prove he can be the level of, like, touch shot maker with floaters that Ja is. There's differences Mm -hmm. in their game, but sort of the fundamental mold of downhill guard, inconsistent pull-up shooter, good playmaker. We'll see what his effort is defensively. I just don't think it's super easy to build a great team around that guy. And if neither of them is going to be like a number one on a great team, then give me the guy who's the great number two. And I think that that is easily Brandon Miller 10 times out of 10. So 
I think that that's it. I thought that Miller was a slightly better prospect, but to me, the tiebreaker on top of that was that positional archetype factor and that you have LaMelo. And Scoot and LaMelo, I think, would be weird, whereas Brandon Miller mm -hmm. and LaMelo, you're like, they're going to complement each other. Well, we need Lamella to play before we worry. Well, about that's very true. Him. And I'm start, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get real, real nervous about all the ankle brace stuff. I guess mm -hmm. with with Miller, it's like the Paul George comp is always there for him. Yeah, but always maybe Brandon Ingram is a little bit closer to what ends hmm. up happening. And if that's the case, and you're that's, like Brandon Ingram or John Morant, I'm going John Morant because I'm not nearly as low on sort of the rim pressure guard mm -hmm. who can kick it out guys because I, I think scoot is is really a really 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 special passer a really really special athlete and i think the shot i think the shot is going to come along for him uh -huh. maybe a little bit more than people expect i think he's going to end up being it. like a true honest to god league average shooter mm -hmm. and i i think I'm not saying like 33%. I'm saying like 36, 37 and, and being able to take a serious volume of them. And that, I would take that player certainly over a Brandon Ingram. Yeah. But I don't know if Miller can't be better than Ingram. I kind of think that he can, yeah. but I don't think he's going to be Paul George. So it's like, where does he fall along that line? And like how much of, you mm -hmm. know, a modern version of sort of like the rim pressure guard can scoop be? It's a tough debate. It is. It's, it's honestly, I love how you put that. Like, it's kind of the spectrum, right? Like, where do you fall on the BI to PG spectrum? Where do you fall on the... I don't know what examples you want to use. For what, yeah, what, what, is, what is the low Jada, end? Jada Russ, I don't know. But I think he could be a better pull-up shooter than Russ. But, like, maybe 2017 Russ, okay? That level of pull-up mm -hmm. shooting. And maybe he can have more impact defensively. Russ is probably even a little bit more of a special athlete. There's no perfect one-to-one -one comparison. Mm -hmm. But I like how you put that. Because, like, that feels like the range of outcomes. Although I think that... Scoot, it would be inaccurate to say that Jaw Morant is the low end for him. Like Jaw's really, mm -hmm. really good. I think that that's right. Ex exactly. To but the like, who end. is the low end guard like that? It just doesn't exist. They're, they're like, not you good. Either, well, you either have to yeah. be really good, or you yeah. are not going to be in the NBA because you got to be a star right. player like mm -hmm. that. I'm trying to think about like the hyper athletic dudes who have just just failed in that archetype, and I'm sure that there are some in recent years who aren't coming to me. But the reason that I think Brandon Miller is going to be better than Brandon Ingram is because Scoot's of archetype never fail. And no, no I don't think that that's it. I, I don't I think believe, that's I believe it. that's exactly is it. Fultz? It. Is Fultz close? I don't know, man. Ah, I'm trying to think tough. about just that's guards tough. that haven't. His body was wrecked. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about why I think that Brandon Miller is going to be better than Brandon Ingram. The dynamic three point shooting specifically that's part of the yeah. problem with bi yeah. is if you're not going to pressure the rim you need to have another way where it's like i can get buckets in bunches Absolutely. and when it's not from beyond the arc that's a problem and i also do think that there's a bit more of that change in pace and his handle brandon uh, brandon miller's handle is crazy but i mean i i don't think that that's like an impossible outcome that he would be brandon ingram i just think he's going to be better than that brandon ingram but like a super duper high level shooter Mm -hmm. pretty yeah. darn good player man you know pretty i think both good. these guys are gonna be pretty pretty good i think that's a good comp and i want to take up for scoot too one thing about scoot that i think is kind of getting lost because he is playing in portland with you know a subpar roster they're not winning games not a lot of eyes on him scoot is still really good at getting to those spots and those shots aren't falling right now like the ones at the elbow but 
he gets to them with real ease. And again, maybe mm-hmm. players are giving them to him more because they're like, oh, I'm going to let him take a shot instead of getting all the way downhill to the rim. The biggest thing with Scoot isn't mechanically. It's him being balanced when he's shooting. Scoot really struggles. It like it, it, It'll just start swaying on these shots. And it's really hard when you're fading to really get... If, if Scoot can get better at just going up, straight up and down on his jumper... I think it's going to translate because it's not broken at all. And again, he's getting to these shots with ease. I think yeah. it's going to come with time, man. I think in a year or two, we're going to see the Matt's master plan is finally going to become fully realized, and his scoot agenda can start getting pushed. I've established the thing, the- like even even if even if I end up be like like let's say Scoot doesn't yeah. make better, I'm not going to sit out here and be like, I told you guys so. The guy on the horn <laughs> sucks. Like, yeah, no. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. You've pinned yourself into a corner here, but you're doing it in the pursuit of truth. We can respect that. No, because last time I was like, you know, I might just support my guy, right? It's like, yeah, I did that with Bryce Young instead of CJ mm. Stroud. Bro. I'm like, mm. well, I'm just going to back. You know, it's like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like going against my own team. And it's like, I thought Bryce, I still think Bryce could be pretty good. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, you can't win. Yeah. And Scoot can be great. Like, Scoot has special athletic traits. I will say I've come up with the example of the failed Scoot archetype. Are you ready? Yes. Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I knew that there was there one in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Scoot is a little bit more of a special athlete, but Dennis Smith Jr., special mm. athlete. Special athlete. 
but could never figure out the jump shooting and the offense was therefore inefficient as a whole. So like, that's the thing. A guy like Brandon Miller is always going to have a role because of the complimentary things that he does. A guy like Scoot, if it doesn't work, then it really doesn't work. But I think it's going to mostly work. I-, I really like both these guys. I thought it was a special draft class, and I thought that they were both pretty great prospects. All right, one quick NFL discussion before we let you go, Matt, just because this has been mm-hmm. a thing as of late. Justin Fields unfollows the Bears on social media, starts following some Falcons, and he it what? seems increasingly obvious. Yeah, I know, if you can believe it, that the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams at number one just because that's the right football decision. Mm-hmm. Matt, who do you think is the team who should go out there and take on fields? I made a video about this yesterday. I'm not saying that there's no team that should think about doing it. There's mm-hmm. more um, There's more teams that need a quarterback than, than good quarterback mm-hmm. options. And Yeah. Uh, I, I I like Fields a, a decent amount. I do, and I'm a, you know I'm a Ohio State guy, right? Like, he's awesome. But the reality is, is that like you draft a guy in the first round, and you're looking to trade him away after three years. He's not a franchise quarterback. The hit rate on quarterbacks turning around after year three is incredibly low, regardless of circumstance. And Fields is probably not as bad as like a lot of those other guys. But man, I don't think I would give up a bunch of draft capital mm-hmm. for um you know a guy who only has one year left and then you got to pick up the fifth year and then you know even if you're right then a big contract comes up really quickly so you don't get that rookie like i might i might rather roll the dice with with one of the lower tier prospects in this year's class that being said i think there's situations where he could do good obviously the vikings because they have all these receivers and the offensive line played well last year it's like okay that would be cool mm-hmm. and maybe kirk cousins doesn't come back i don't know what the whole deal with that is and how that's looking atlanta is a big one uh, he's from around that area um and you you can't run it back with ritter i'm afraid God yeah. bless him, though. As he says God it, in the him. Cincy sweater, man. In, in the, the Cincy, Cincy sweater. That 2020 year, that 2021 year was a special, special time. How many times How many times was he Little Caesars Player of the Week? 17? Um, no. Sometimes I would say we didn't have one at all. Right. So he actually <laughs> only got it like play. six times, I think. And he got benched. It was, it, was, yeah. it was a rough year, bro. Um, yeah. I, I think the Falcons could make sense. But honestly... I kind of think Pittsburgh. I kind of think Pittsburgh. You get him there with Arthur Smith, who is really creative in the run game, and you let mm-hmm. Fields use his biggest weapon, which is his le- – I mean, like he is a next, next level runner. Oh, yeah. And then we get sort of like a little bit more of the easy button stuff, which Arthur Smith likes to draw up. Uh, I-, I could see that working out decently well. Now, the problem that Arthur Smith had last year is that he had somebody who is not, obviously not nearly as gifted as Justin Fields and Ritter, but who has the same, you know, flaw as Ritter in the sense that takes a lot of sacks. Not good at not taking sacks. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder if the Steelers are looking for something a little bit different, but I could totally see Smith saying, I really, really like the run game. The Steelers' run game and the running backs looked – Good at the end of last year, you add Fields and Arthur Smith into that mix where, you know, say what you want about him. He can, you know, draw up some run schemes. That could get pretty exciting. That'd get pretty interesting. Uh, that's a good, strong organization, you know. Mm-hmm. That that might be the spot. 
You're uh, you're preaching to the choir here, Matt, and I think that I think that one you need to send Fields to a situation where he has other personnel that can alleviate some of the pressure off of him. All three of those destinations, Atlanta, Minnesota, have a lot of skill position. And then Pittsburgh, it's a strong culture that is going to want to run the football down the throats of other teams. That is our identity. That is what we found at the end of last year. Uh, We eclipsed 100 yards rushing in eight of the Steelers' final 10 games. In two of those games, we eclipsed 200 yards rushing. And acquiring fields is like acquiring a role player in basketball, to me, that does different things, right? I already have Duncan Robinson, so let me get uh, a good defender, right? Let me get Dylan Brooks. This is not an apples-to-apples comparison, but it's like, (laughs) let me get a guy that gives me a different skill set, right? A guy that's going to do something different. Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph are very similar in their archetypes, right? They're not going to do crazy things. They're going to do simple stuff. They're going to protect the football. Uh, Justin Fields has a rushing dynamic that the Steelers have not had in some time, and I think he's somebody that the city could buy into as a leader. Now, Fields does have things he needs to clean up. If he holds on to the football like that, I'm going to be screaming at my television, bro. I cannot do that. (laughs) If he's eating unnecessary sacks, and that's the one thing that Kenny Pickett does well. Uh, I know Kenny Pickett gets ragged on a lot, and I've had this conversation with so many people. Kenny Pickett is a low-end starter to a high-end backup, but you can win games with him because he doesn't shoot you in the foot. He doesn't make these costly mistakes where he's holding on to the football too long. He gets rid of the ball quick, he makes quick decisions, and he doesn't turn the ball over. And so Fields is doing these costly things, putting the ball in harm's way, holding on to the ball too long. You know, I that could cost him in Pittsburgh. And there's another aspect of the QB situation in Pittsburgh that I want to hit on. I think the Steelers are doing themselves a disservice if they don't give Mason Rudolph a shot. I think Mason Rudolph has earned a shot at the starting job, and I don't buy into what the Steelers organization is trying to peddle to us. They are not running into next year with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph as the only quarterbacks on the roster. You can put that thing to bed right now, and you can tuck it in, too. There's going to be a third quarterback, Kiss and he is going... Yeah, man. You can put that thing to sleep. You can put the... Read it a bedtime old, uh, story. Yeah. <laughs> put that Sweet put dreams that as bed. well. I mean yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little good night moon action. <laughs> there is no way in hell they are rocking with Pickett and Rudolph as the only two guys in the room. But I don't want Russell Wilson... The, Look, man, Steeler fans are not going to buy into Russell Wilson. That shtick is going to be dead by week three, okay? <laughs> uh, I don't want Ryan Tannehill. He's washed. I could deal with Kirk Cousins, but I don't want to pay him a lot of money. I think Fields brings a new dynamic to the team. I think he would be a good leader, and I think the fans would buy into Justin Fields. So I really love him in Pittsburgh. And, again, the big thing with Fields is, you cannot Lamar Jackson this kid, okay? He is not mm-hmm. Lamar. He's not going to patchwork, flex seal, duct tape your entire offense. There needs to be structure in place. But I think with Pittsburgh, you get the structure with Arthur Smith. I think you have the personnel with Pickens, with DJ, with Fryermuth, with the running game and offensive line. And I think they have a culture that you can just plug fields into. So to me, I- I- I'm wholeheartedly with you, Matt. I think that... Fields to Pittsburgh should be the deal that both sides explore. I have complicated feelings about the idea of Fields to the Steelers because there are some parts of it that I like. I do like pairing him with Arthur Smith, and then you think, okay, really run first scheme. That's where he's going to succeed. And it's not Mm -hmm. that they are totally lacking in receiving talent. 
I just think oh, we got a number Fields one. is a guy. We got a number one. I, I know. I know that you feel that way. Do you have a high-end number one this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The name. <laughs> his name is George Pickens, no, and the G stands for get that boy to ball, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just Carson, do you have any guy, counter for that? I don't have a counter to that, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Logan has once again just washed me in a debate. I just think Fields is a guy who you really need to set up to succeed. And the Bears' situation was the antithesis of that, right? He was having to try to overcome the situation consistently. But I think there are too many things that can go haywire. I think there's too much potential for him to hold on to the ball for too long, to uh, just abandon structure in ways that, yes, can be special, but also can be problematic. And I just don't think he's a good enough pure thrower of the football I don't think his pocket presence is good enough and his decision making from there for him to like be the backbone of an offense I think he's kind of a guy you want to be able to plug into a system with a bunch of talent and then he can do some dynamic stuff but he doesn't have to carry the load and that's why I'm so intrigued by Atlanta for him the difference is Atlanta's picking at eight so they could potentially Mm -hmm. get their guy the top three quarterbacks are going to get off the board but if they wanted to trade up two, three spots. Maybe they could get Jaden Daniels there. I know some people think the commanders are going to take him at two. I think that would be a disaster. But then it's like, all right, we're getting a lot of the same athletic traits, that crazy scrambling ability, and I think a bit more of an accurate, a bit steadier, pure passer in Daniels, who I don't necessarily love, although I did see him a lot at ASU. I think he's definitely a tier below May and Caleb. But I still think I'd probably take him as a rookie over what we've seen from fields through three years. But like just having that sort of line, Bijan, the weapons in the receiving game, mm-hmm. I think that would be a situation where he'd just be better set up to flourish. In Pittsburgh, I worry, like if you can't protect well enough, if you can't run the ball consistently enough, I think that he could kind of just crumble because I don't think on his own he's that good. I think he's a starter. I don't think he's a franchise guy, especially not if you're asking him to be like that flex seal for an offense, which I think in Pittsburgh he'd kind of have to be because they suck at scoring points. No offense. This bruh. (laughs) I'm just saying, is that not true? Dude, we had Matt Canada for half the year, bro. I don't know Come what you on, wanted man. us Matt, to do. No, I know. But then you guys had a game where you scored, what was it, 13 points without him? And I think the city threw a parade because you actually moved the ball. <laughs> no comment from Logan on that. Dude, Mason Mason Rudolph put that team on his back, man. We figured a little something out. Here's the thing, dude. I mean, I think Pittsburgh really has the potential. I don't, I don't know where you're getting that notion, Carson, that He's going to have to go above and... Bro, we Just won 10 games guys... with Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Our defense is the backbone of the team. Our because running game is the backbone of the offense. And if we get a center, if we get an offensive guard, our line is going to be menacing. Like, we're getting back. I'm really excited for next year. where We're getting back to old school Steeler football. Defense, cloud of dust run the ball down their throat, where I think we're holding teams to 20 points a night. If Fields can get us, and I've said this for years, man, if the Steelers can get three offensive TDs a game, and that's not asking too much, three drives where we march down to the end zone a game, it's over. I think we're reaching a point where I don't think Fields has to go above and beyond for us. I just think he has to execute, and in a lot of ways, I think we can tailor the offense to him, man. I think Pittsburgh, I think Justin Fields to Pittsburgh like makes a, a ton of sense, man. 
the reason that I say that he'd have to pick up the slack, it isn't that your offense has to be great, but if you want to actually win playoff games, Logan, not sneak in because you I don't even know what that's like touchdowns. anymore, bro. Well, that's what I'm saying. Your vision is clouded. Sure. Like, like you guys are scoring 18 points a game. Obviously, on, that is not good just day. on the quarterback on, on a good day. On a good day. That's what I mean. And I know that the Falcons' offense wasn't much better, but it felt like they left so much more meat on the bone. There was mm-hmm. so much more talent that wasn't tapped into. That's all on Arthur Smith, right? That's not blaming <laughs> well, think... any certain other players. Here, I don't like Fields to the Falcons because as a Panthers fan, I don't want to have to do it to him. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to ruin, ruin I mean, his life. You know, we're going to do what we need to do. Leave him yeah. out of it. That's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I, 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 I see what you're saying about the Falcons and the Vikings too. It's like there's just two situations you could go to where it's like a lot of talent mm-hmm. around you, and that would be right. good. But and I Kevin think O'Connell's the, a brilliant mind too, dude. Yeah, I I wonder if those teams. It's like I'd rather have Daniels than Fields. Um, Me too. Because I, I I think he's, you know, I just take somebody who hasn't you know gone through the three years yeah. and still not shown anything. And those guys are a lot more in range. I will say though the other thing, or in range draft wise, uh, than mm-hmm. the Steelers are who are picking a lot lower. The thing that worries me though is is, is one of the negatives about Fields. Is that. I'd be scared to run him a ton because of the injury stuff. That doesn't scare you about Jaden Daniels. No, it, it does as well, but I'm it saying for the to. Steelers specifically, um, I guess it would make me a little nervous where it's like you're bringing him in for the sake of running him a lot, but he has a little bit of an injury history. You know, he did at Ohio State and he has with the Bears and, and he didn't run quite as much. And I kind of think that was part mm-hmm. of the reason. So yeah, I guess it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, and I don't know. I, I wonder what the Steelers end up doing if they try to like if a guy falls to day two who they really like at quarterback. If if they look at that, there's no um, point to me. There's no point to me. That's a wasted draft pick. If the Steelers go back to the well, we already blew one first round draft pick on Kenny. Like it to yeah. me, the Steelers have so many other holes to address. Free agency is the only area where they can go. Like if you draft another QB and he's not the guy like we just we need offensive line we need linebacker depth we need another safety another corner like there's just too many other holes that the Steelers need to plug to where they can even afford to invest a a late round draft pick and to the injury thing it's like to me if we can retain Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett and have Justin Fields as the starter and he gets hurt well we've got the best backup that you know one of the best backups that you could ask for you say what you want about Kenny or Mason if starters and franchise guys, they're mm-hmm. dream backups off the bench. Mason's been there four or five years, and I have a ton of confidence of him just stepping in and executing and not messing it up. And the same goes for Kenny. So I, I don't know. I, I, and I think uh, I think we need to context with Fields, too, and a lot of these guys at quarterback that don't pan out. Fields just needs a fresh start. You know, we need to see him at the end of his rope and tenure with the Bears, you could just see a guy whose confidence was shot and a guy who didn't really have an identity in a game. And I think you can make that criticism about him after three years as a starting QB. He doesn't have an identity. But I put a lot of that on Chicago as much as I do Justin Fields. I think Fields needs a spot. It's, it's To me, it's like Baker going to Tampa Bay. You need a team that's going to say, hey, we are going to accept you and your flaws and we are going to buy into you as our leader and we're going to support you. So I'm not fully ready to sell my my stock on Justin Fields. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I think he can work in different spots, and I think he needs that fresh start and that new opportunity. He's better than Kenny, and he's better than Mason. I don't know I about think... Mason, man. Mason's a Mason's a solid QB, dude. Mason's I don't know why solid. you would want Fields if you think that Mason is at least on his level. I think they should compete. I think we need to see them right. duke it out in the preseason, man. All right. All right. We'll see how it happens. Matt, we are sorry that we keep you so obscenely long every time. No. You're just so no, damn no, no. fun, man. Yeah. You're just so <laughs> damn I just fun have to have such, on. I just had And to think, you know, five minutes into this recording, I thought about just turning my computer off and going and doing <laughs> something else. How glad I am I didn't do that. <laughs> Thank God, dude. Oh, that would have been the worst. Matt and I were also worried before we started recording, we were waiting for Logan because Logan thinks he's so much better than us. He can keep us waiting right. so much cooler. We were worried he might just hop on, give us the bird, and then hop off just to make a statement. So thank God everybody showed up. Thank God everybody stayed around. If you guys aren't already following Matt everywhere, L, but it's Spawn Hour on TikTok, right? Just Spawn Hour. And then there's Corporate yeah. Spawn Hour, of course. There's three different Spawn Hour accounts. You should you should check, check them all out. And then there's... Listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, Spawn Hour M on Twitter and, mm. and, and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, go listen to the Stay Hot podcast with other friends of the show, Theo and Bladen. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Already, they're getting into the NFL offseason, which we're not doing as much of, so go get your fix over there. Really awesome podcast. And anything else that you want to plug, Matt, before we let you go? Not in particular. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, dude. This is always so much fun. The people love it. And it was a delight. When we were in Vegas, Matt said he looked me earnestly in the eyes and he said, I want to come on the show again soon. You said whenever I want to come on to let you know. And I'm not doing any of that. I'm not doing any of that Hollywood coastal elite crap where I say, <laughs> oh, but I don't no, no, it. no, dude, because <laughs> I've been gotten on that before. It's like, oh, yeah, just let me. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I will. And then, you yeah. know, they're just of talking. Course. They're just saying whatever. Yeah. And no, I thought you, you were a coastal really elite. I did, but you <laughs> proved me wrong. <laughs> Dude, it's so huge for the brand. It's so huge for the brand to disprove the coastal elite misnomer, but it's it's too fun to have you on, man. So, you know, that offer that it's, offer it's, remains. It's great to come on. All right. Well, you guys probably know where to find us. Listen to the pod across audio platforms. Watch the full shows on YouTube with video. Also there, we're doing some more trivia stuff. The trivia gauntlet we're doing once a week where we go head-to-head and... We are doing some video essays, video breakdowns. We talked Wemby today. We talked Brandon Miller. We've got some in-depth videos on those guys. Uh, you can also check out our merch if you want. Logan's got the hat, as he always does. That is at thevolume.com. We got the flags behind us. And if you want to join our Discord, that link is at the link tree across our social media bios. So with that, as always, one last big shout-out to Matt. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. I've been Matthew Spawnauer. And this was Nerd Sash. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.